Welcome to Bridge from Nowhere, life on the far northern edge of America. I'm Andy. That's Lou. I'm Jamie. That's Jamie. We didn't know you were recording yet. Well, that's all right. Man. I don't know what the relation is between Jagoff and Jagger Bush. Today we'll be talking to Alaskans about their journey to the state. It was green army tents and a a pot of bear stew on an open Mm. bonfire. (laughs) Wow. Making me hungry. We'll be talking about poo. How much glitter did somebody get rid of? Wow. In this or eat about dads and nerds? I can see the leader by the length and color of his neck beard. <laughs> and basic human hygiene. I resolved to be dirtier this year. On the second episode of Bridge from Nowhere. Food is for eating and sticks are for beating. Lou, have you washed your hair yet this year? No. <laughs> really? Or other things. <laughs> we'll wash that first. Yeah. <laughs> What's wash? Is that your resolution? Wash. I resolved to be dirtier this year. Where I lived in Pennsylvania, they're known as yinzers. Yinzers. Near why? Pittsburgh, because uh, they would say this word, yins, instead of you all. Yins. So the older people would say, yins should come inside into the house. Yins. Instead of the house. Instead of wash, it was wash. Uh, a rose bush would be known as a jagger bush because it has jags. Wow. It would poke you. Uh, a stup- person. The stupid, contemptible people would be known as a jagoff. Jagoff. Mm-hmm. You jagoff. They were rated as the worst accent of the U.S. <laughs> the Pittsburgh accent? Mm-hmm. Wow. It was a funny thing because remember we read about how uh, Jagoff was a Chicago and a Pittsburgh word, which are two oh, cities yeah. we used to live. Do you remember hearing that? I do. Yeah, but I, it was weird to me that no one else knew it when you would like say Jagoff here. Mm-hmm. No one had any idea because, but I didn't know it was just those two places. Are you, you trying to say that Jagoff has to do with the the thorny net, nettly bushes, or is it just a? It's more like a. Jer- it's more like jerk off, isn't it? Is it more like yeah, hey, you jerk off, you jag, you jagoff? It's more like a stupid person. Right, but I mean, like the, I don't know what the relation is between Jagoff and Jagger Bush. Hmm. We should find, get the research team on that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the intern. Yeah, get the. Where's the intern? We need an intern to bring a war shrag. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bridge from Nowhere. I'm Andy. I'm Lou. Wow, I'm Jamie. Welcome and welcome back to discussions about. Living up north, origins, where we've come from, how we got here, why you should come here. Yes. Or not. Or not. Or stay here. Or not. We were just talking about kind of roots and uh, dialects. Or roots. Roots and dialects in uh, in our history. So you've got some Minnesota and Chicago oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Minnesota. You, you know you do. Sometimes, sometimes I like to look at the mooin. From my boat. Sometimes I'll bring a bag full of things. <laughs> full of cash. But what else, uh, what other Pittsburghian stuff? Now, so is it Pittsburgh? Because Pitt, the thing about that part of Pennsylvania, right, is it's so close to West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's really ends up getting southern rural almost, right? Well, northern West Virginia, I'd say, is more of the north than yeah. the south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more kind of urban, rust, but, rust belt kind of, mm-hmm. yeah. 
They would say things instead of Steelers. Some people might say Stillers. They kind of do that with the E, mm-hmm. making an I. Uh, uh, downtown would be Dantan. <laughs> Else is Hass. 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 Rubber bands are gum bands. Uh, sandwiches are called hoagies. Yeah, hoagies, sure. Yeah, hoagie. Gum bands. Wrap a gum band around the hoagie. Yens. Jagoff. Don't be a jagoff. Wrap a gum band around that hoagie. <laughs> yeah, neighbors are nebby. Get your nebbies. Yeah. Nebby? Uh, N-E-B-B-Y. That's your neighbor? I'll be out of the shower in about a minute. <laughs> shower, shower. <laughs> Like the, like the Shire. Like yeah, the basically. Shire. I'll be out of the Shire. Yeah. I remember yeah. Frodo, the Shire. Oh, yes. Frodo has not been to the Shire for quite some time. Frodo, the sweet shower. Rubber yes. boots are called rubbers. Yeah. I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. Tire iron is tarn. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a uh, in no time. I wonder, does this same thing happen? I guess the same thing happens in other countries, like England, for instance, Northern oh, yeah, England. totally. And Leicester and, and all that stuff. Foster and, yeah, Completely totally. different dialects. Yeah. Jamie's favorite. What's that? Cornwall. Cornwall, yes. A wall <laughs> no. made of corn. I've always wanted to visit it, actually. Yes. eat your way through it. Yes, mm. and then eat those little Cornish hens they have afterwards. <laughs> Hello, governor. Now, yes. what are they, why did they name stuff corn? They must have, the English must have come over and named corn, corn. Because there was no corn before the new world was discovered. We call it Yeah, maize. I don't know, actually. That's a good question. Yeah, Cornwall. Cornwall. So what were they calling corn over there before corn was discovered over here that they then called corn? Yes. <laughs> I know. And they just said corn. That reminds us of that weird thing Cornwall. we eat in England. <laughs> in yes. Cornwall. Yes, the people of Cornwall are yellow. So I we're going to name it. corn yeah. might have meant salt at one time. Oh, is that right? Maybe. Right? Wow, I... Sure, I have no Something idea. Something to do with the corned beef, the oh, corns of salt. So maybe Cornwall is a salty wall. That could be. I mean, that makes sense. Like From cor- all the sweaty English people on it. <laughs> <laughs> they sweaty do sweat. Limeys. Oh, they do sweat, those Cornish, corny limeys. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, though, because corned beef has nothing to do with corn. Yeah, I don't, Yeah. And it's they, an interesting they, thing to think about. Yeah. Maybe we'll do research and have an answer we magically should, through the magic of radio. A corn. Oh, maybe we should do a whole corn episode. You know, oh, I have a lot to say. Let's do a, a corn episode. That's in the corn. future for yeah. us. And that's when we lost all our listener. <laughs> listener. <laughs> that's when he, he or she left. Yeah. The dog, mostly. People leave this on for their pets. <laughs> <laughs> they bark continuously. They bark, bark, bark. <laughs> Turn bark, it off. Bark. Turn it off. Yes. <laughs> corn, corn, corn. Well, uh, yeah, so it's an interesting thing to think about. Like, uh, it, some of that stuff has to do with where our parents settled. Yeah. Right? For it, but just during these specific times in their lives, and then that made us who we are, right? I think it's a funny thing to think about because in some ways, like, as you're living your own life, you kind of think like, oh, yeah, I moved to whatever, and that was an interesting thing. But if you have kids and you move, you've – You've influenced them in ways that you can't even imagine. Yeah, completely. You know? So the fact that my parents moved from uh, Long Island to Massachusetts when I was two utterly changed everything about who I ended up being. Yeah, no, me too. I mean, the fact that I was born in Miami, Florida. You were? I was, right? Which you can totally not imagine Remember, his his dad was a jazz musician. He was all over the place. They had settled there. My mom was working for a guy who designed golf courses. And my dad was, I mean, they were, they were living there and trying to have a kid. 
And then as soon as they had a kid, they realized they didn't want to raise a kid in Miami. So they left. And then we moved back to Minnesota when I was like two. Yeah, the same thing. Mm -hmm. I cannot think of two more different places in America, maybe, than Miami and Minnesota. Yeah, they're... uh... They're, they're opposites. Yeah, they pretty much are. Yeah. yeah I, w- I would be so different. A lot of my clothes would be tighter. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know. I wouldn't be wearing like baggy Minnesota. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> trying to think of it's hard like, to know. What? Yeah, it's hard to know. Yeah. Right now, Jamie has a t-shirt on that says, experience Alaska's wilderness. I do. Juno, it, Alaska. It's so utterly laundry day. <laughs> this is a free Juno t-shirt I got from somebody. But you had the experience of living, you, but then once you're in Minnesota, you lived, that's where you lived. Yeah, that's where we stayed. I, we moved there when I was three, I think, and we just stayed. But Lou and I have that experience of moving in the middle of your childhood, sort of. And high school. Yeah, and high school. It's great for gaining friends <laughs> and being best. social. It's the best. But did you go back and forth? Is that what happened with you? I left Pennsylvania when I was eight and came back to Alaska when I was 16. You left Pennsylvania? You left for Pennsylvania. Yeah, you're eight. yeah. Okay. Okay. So okay. So you. So from eight to sixteen, you were in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and then you were in Alaska the rest of the other the rest of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Where, well, were, that's you, a, where were you born? Were you born here in Alaska? Anchorage. Anchorage. Hmm. And then what? What's the part of uh, Pennsylvania that you were in? I know it's near Pittsburgh, but what's it really called? Greensburg in Westmoreland County. Is it, is it suburban, rural, semi-industrial? It's uh, probably a. The, it's been so long. There's a bunch of yinzers there. Well, we went on Google. <laughs> I, think, I remember we went on Google Earth one time and looked, and it looked, in some ways, it looked green. Well, it's, uh, you know. And that farm. area is just, you got a village or a town or a city, and then a few miles away, you got another one, and everything's interconnected, and in between, you got fields and farms and maybe what a are few they forests. Do you know what they're growing? It's all corn and uh, mostly feed corn, I think. Corn to feed me. Yeah. So, but you had the ability, like you had, didn't you have like a mini bike and stuff like that? And didn't I you had guys... a, an old four wheeler with no shocks that would backfire now and then. And uh, we had three acres where I was growing up, so we would take it behind the house. And there's people hunting there all the time. Big uh, packs of deer. I don't know if you call them packs. That herd. Herd of deer. Probably. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> Pod. Pod. <laughs> and then um, I remember one time. There was a, a bow hunter in a tree, and the, the four-wheeler stalled, and I'm trying to start it. And the guy looks at me, and he's waving, get the hell out of here. Get out. And there's a deer right under him. And so I uh, try to start again. And the deer looks up, and he's yelling. He's waving. God, you. And then finally it starts. It backfires, the deer takes off, I take off, I hear him yelling, You son of a bitch, I'm gonna kill you! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> but that's a fun thing to think about. The You know, like, um, I grew up in that, in an area outside of Boston, not far, it's within what they call, it's within the 128 loop, so it's sort of like within this main corridor, but but there was a lot of woods around and so that experience of like being a boy in the woods. Yeah. Every boy finds their first porno in the woods. <laughs> it's true, actually. Well, no, it wasn't true for me. I think I found the first one at my friend Dave's house. But you find it out there. Yeah, it was, oh, it's out there. Yeah. And you talk about that's a journey, that's a bridge. 
And that's a that's a different journey than what kids have today, mm-hmm. finding gonna, their first porno. We'll talk more about it on Bridge from Nowhere. Welcome to Bridge from Nowhere. I'm Andy Klein, one of your co-hosts. I am Jamie Karnick, one of your co-hosts as well. And we have guests in the studio with us. We very... do have guests. We have pants on. Thankfully, <laughs> you know. And we went out of our way. Oh we, we decided, did. hey, I mean, we had the discussion. Is this a pants on interview or what? We are kind of, you know, we're good friends. Yeah. We're good friends. We've seen, we... I don't know, the worst <laughs> and the best. <laughs> Post-Thanksgiving. Sarah Lewis is here, Sarah. Post-Thanksgiving. Sarah Lewis is here and Sean Boyley is here. Hello. They are married to each other. We are. When did that happen? 23 years. 23. Oh, dear God. Wow. That's awesome. Well done. On a New Year's Day, right? New Year's Day. 1994. Right here in Juneau, Alaska. I was married New Year's Eve, 1991 in Juneau, Alaska. Oh. Didn't last. (laughs) Then <laughs> should have done it on New Year's Day. Then go now. Now <laughs> don't make eye contact. Now with a wonderful, wonderful woman, but you know that one didn't didn't, didn't pan didn't out. Take. Everything's been, fine. Should have been New Year's Day. This is this segment is not about me. No. <laughs> is is anything? That's actually why we brought them in. I don't know. It's just like a we little secret. We brought you here to talk yeah. to you to talk about me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're always happy to talk about you, Andy. Sarah and Sean yes. are both uh, trained architects. We are. Sean is one of the um, co-founders, co-owners of Northwind Architects here in Juneau, Alaska. Sarah, you tell me about your. Sarah, are you you're and you are a trained architect, but the then heck you are you. Then it deviated. Then I you did, decided to do other things. I did. Yeah. I did. So yes, I uh, I went straight from high school into school of architecture and became an architect. University of Oregon. That's where we met. Very nice. We were both fighting ducks. And, uh, and then, we fight a lot. <laughs> like, were you actually? Was that just the name to of the school, day. or yeah. were you actually? Did you meet fighting Coincidentally, ducks? The name of the school as well. Because I've seen people in the park fighting ducks, and I've always thought they should get together. You know, because it's a weird hobby. It's a weird hobby. Yeah, that those Not people so should many just people. stay together. Right. Yeah. Sounds right. Good. Yeah. So then uh, we met down there, and we came up to Alaska. We went to Anchorage first because Sean is his family is from Homer, and mine is from here in Juneau. And so and we, didn't want to be, in the middle. <laughs> we didn't want to be with either one to begin with. And you now, you and it's, it's this interesting journey, we can talk about it, but you now live in the home that you oh, grew yes. up in. Yes, that's you right. We ended do. up getting the My house home. from your folks. and We did. Not we, only that, we, we were married in the living room of we that We were married home. in the living room on, on New Year's Day. Yeah, so, so And we, Jamie yeah. Karnick, our co-host, also lives in that home. <laughs> yes, has been in that living room. <laughs> so have I. <laughs> what? What? Because that's the kind of town we live that in. That is the kind of town we live weird. in. Weird. Yeah. But, so back to me. Yes, back to you. <laughs> yes, we've wandered <laughs> off the point. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I became an architect. 
And we moved to Anchorage and worked in architecture firms. And there was just that point, I'm, I kind of like change. I didn't really know that about myself at the time. I thought sure, I was going a little bit. Sure, you were a young bit. person back yeah, then. Yeah, I was what mid, do you know? Mid-20s, got my license. Uh, we had our first child and I went, ugh, bored. And so what can I do? And um, <laughs> I decided my, my mother actually is both an attorney and a social worker. She got her master of social work first and then became an attorney and blended them. Mm. And I actually learned that you could blend social work and architecture. There are actually programs where you can do that. And I went and I've because, of course, I grew up with social work and, and things in, in my world and social justice and policy and things. I decided to go back and get my MSW at UAA. And I did that for a couple of years and I blended it with architecture by um, there was actually a, one of the professors at UAA, Chad Morse. He had gone to a university where they actually had a master's, a joint architecture master's of social work degree. And so the first year I totally focused on on social work. And then the second year I blended them. I actually worked part time at the architecture firm that I had been working at. I, I did um, I designed behavioral health centers and wait, wait, wait a minute here. You worked full time oh, okay. and did your master's <laughs> and had an infant. Oh, yeah. And yeah, there's good nothing time. like and that. Had no time for Sean. Never saw Sean. Sean I'll tell you that. Clearly. Oh, yeah. Wah, wah, wah. Sean, uh, Sean nothing had like fight. two winters of that to make people want to get the heck out of town and move to Juno. Sean Juneau. spent a whole year fighting ducks all by himself. <laughs> which is hard. They overwhelmed him. He was, he was pecked mercilessly <laughs> without you there to guard his six. Those yeah. flat bills. Yeah. Oh. They're deadly. So. Well, that's. So. So that's really – I didn't know that about your mom, that she yes. – lawyer and social yes. work and blended them for yeah. kind of protection of people that needed yes, protection she, kind of idea? Yeah. Well, she, she eventually – what she did is she um, she was the head of the social services division of the Department of Law for the state for a number of years, and then she became the deputy attorney general. And so that mentality of that you can, you can blend stuff, and, mm. and in Alaska – to some certain extent, it, it's really, really helpful. And actually, um, you you want to blend things. There's so many, there's so few people and so many things that need to be done that, you know, you find yourself being, oh, I don't know, a radio host as well as. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <it laughs> All that. Just, you know. Yeah. Now, just... let me ask you this. Is your dad a blender? Oh, <laughs> oh actually. <laughs> oh, my God. My dad. Uh, this is the, fa- the Roger, the famous Roger, Roger. Roger Lewis. He was he was a small businessman here in Juneau. He started Alaskan salmon leather and fish leather, and worked in, in precious metals back in the eighties and nineties. Oh. And he ran for lieutenant governor under the Green Party. He started out in politics here in Alaska with um, greening, with, wow. with Ernest Greening, and then moved on and worked with Egan. And like and what did like Department of Commerce kind of stuff? He or? did a lot of fisheries. Okay. Yeah, he did fisheries, and then at one point he worked in uh, corrections. Uh, there was the um, uh, corrections industries where they would get um, either former inmates or those who were getting ready to get out and get them jobs out in the community. And so he was actually sort of a commissioner or sub commissioner that dealt with that, getting mm. getting people jobs. Out so of you the had this really solid base of people. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. the people who are really committed to Alaska. Yes. Working. Yes. For Alaska, working for the betterment of like the people here. Yes. Yeah. So did you feel that when you went to University of Oregon, mm-hmm. did you feel like I'm always going back to Alaska? I don't remember. Yeah. 
I think I did. Maybe I think no. I did. But I mean, as soon as I mean, I. The this first, guy. The first Alaskan guy I found, I married. Him, so <laughs> yeah, that's a I, sign. You know, um, it was very convenient. <laughs> Thank God you were the first. Sean, I know. By the way. <laughs> no, she said first Alaskan guy. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. yeah. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> well, Sean, so you you grew up. Uh, you, you well, you were born in Massachusetts. So tell yes. us. So, but at a very er, young age, you got, your family made an epic journey. Yeah, it was a pretty interesting time. My parents were very, 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 very young when they had me. They were teenagers, still in high school. Um, my mom graduated. My dad didn't. He uh, went and started an apprenticeship program uh, in, as a carpenter in uh, Massachusetts. And uh, a couple of uh, events were it kind of catalyzed their decision to get out of Dodge. One was. Uh, kind of on the dramatic side of it. Uh, all the police showed up to one of the project sites my dad was working on one day with a big crew of people. And it turns out one of the, the guys on the crew was a mass murderer. And uh, that was a um, a big uh, um, mind-turning point for them to uh, realize they could uh, what year would that place. have? What uh, year would that have been, 70s? That would have been 72. Okay. Because we arrived in Telkeetna, in the fall of 73. So my mom was from Mass, uh, from uh, um, Foxborough, Massachusetts. Yep. My dad was from Providence, Rhode Island. Ended up on the Cape. Yeah. Teenagers yep. living the dream. They were. Getting and pregnant. Having a good time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it happens. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you are proof of It'll that. Happen. Yeah. yeah, right. So, so long and the short of it is, so I got to be a kid moving across the country with a couple of kids. Uh, and do you a remember of dogs. It? as a three-year-old? Do you remember the oh, trip? Oh yes, oh, very okay. much, very much. And you know, my folks being in their early twenties at the time, were this is a huge adventure for them, but also a huge risk. I mean, because they had no backup, they didn't have family with money or anything like that behind them. They were truly on their own. So when they ran out of money, they stopped and worked, and they stopped in Hungry Horse, Montana, at one point, and they didn't need a carpenter, but they needed a brick mason. My dad figured he could figure out how to do that, and did. Built a couple buildings with the with a crew there. And then they uh, got enough money together that they got word from my, my dad's brother, who had a different interesting story that took him to Alaska. They uh, um, had gotten into this open-to-entry land claim in outside of Telkeetna and invited my parents to, to join them in uh, building the cabin out in the woods. And uh, didn't really realize just how far out into the woods it was. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Talkeetna back in those days was a bit of a rough town. And, and so you, you left your truck parked around the square down to, downtown, like the town of 10 buildings. And then you either walked or took the train five miles down the track to a whistle, whistle stop. stop mm-hmm. And then you walked another eight miles out in the woods. And, uh, and there was the cabin site, which when we showed up in the fall, uh, and I remember this vividly, it was green army tents and a, a pot of bear stew on a f- open mm. bonfire. <laughs> wow, You're making you know. me hungry. Every yeah. three year old's dream, I yeah. think. Right? That's brown bear stew too, maybe. Right? I or is it no black idea? Bear? <laughs> I was pretty small, so uh, it wasn't into the detail other than it was bear. And I, <laughs> yeah. I was told that. And were you into that? Were yeah. you into it? Oh yeah. As yeah, a three year old, you were like, because there might be three year olds out there who would say, "I'm not eating this," but well, I. I was not one of those. I'm not eating. Did you have a teddy bear? <laughs> well, after walking eight miles, I'm sure I would have eaten anything. <laughs> That's probably true. He might have eating... that teddy bear right in his marble eye. Just think sorry. about it like yeah. we're eating Paddington. It's yeah, okay. It's fine. Paddington is delicious. It's the cutest beef bear stew ever. So, so they uh, looked around and realized that winter was going to be coming in pretty pretty quick. Um, 
And, and, and Talkeetna, they, we should explain, Talkeetna is at the base of Denali, essentially. You can see Denali huge. Yep. It is serious winter up there. It is negative, below zero, much of the winter. Lots Win- of snow. And winter comes yeah, early. wind and snow and ice. and That is all correct, and yeah. I don't think that parents would be allowed to do this kind of thing with their children anymore without <laughs> having the law involved. Ah, but, the 70s. Oh, but, the 70s. Know, it was a different it's time. Innocent, innocent, yes, innocent times. times. So, so basically, they... they uh, Looked around and figured out what they needed to do, uh, that the cabin wasn't going to get built that soon. And so my dad walked back to town and drove back to Anchorage and got a bunch of building materials, including a couple rolls of visqueen. And they built a palatial visqueen tent out there. Nice. It was actually pretty carefully designed when you think about it. He built it the same. Well, he's a trained carp. Yeah. So he knew what he was doing, but didn't have necessarily the money for the materials, right? That was, and needed to do it quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so right. before the snow was on the ground, we were inside of a, 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 a huge a bubble. star-shaped <laughs> visqueen structure. That star-shaped? A, yeah, star-shaped. Yeah, four so points like... to the star. So you had the kids' room, the because I had two cousins, my aunt and uncle's room, my mom and dad's room, and the kitchen. And in the center was a 12 by 12 square, and there was the, the wood stove in the center of it. Do you wow. think that that was... It's really interesting to hear you describe that, knowing that you're an architect today. Do you feel like that was that structure? Does that structure play a role in what ended up being I a don't. lifelong I don't. I've read your I don't essay think for getting so. I did into write architecture about it when school. I, was, yeah, <laughs> oh, I did write about God. it once. I lived in a visqueen tent. But I yeah. think he, I think maybe you were going for the whole Alaska boy yeah. thing. Or you were, it, that was kind of it. Was it. Yeah. Say, I'd yeah. like to be an architect so I can build a real building that people <laughs> can live in. Please. Please help me. I want to use wood and yeah. concrete. <laughs> I immediately went to the library and found an architecture book and thought I could help. <laughs> That's cool. Oh, so no. wait, did, were there like, wow. if these rooms, were there like doors or barriers or was it just like one open space it was largely heated largely one open space with some blankets that were strung up as kind of the partitions between the the points in the square they made homebrew in a plastic trash barrel next to the stove and baked bread in dutch ovens and so maybe not maybe not the utter uh, inspiration but but not 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 involved with maybe what you went on to later do it's an interesting very different most of us as young children don't think about the structures we're living in, right? Because they're not built in front of us. Right. They, you don't see how it develops in front of you, and you don't – and it's not transparent, like literally transparent, visqueen. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because uh, in the winter, because the, the, the entire thing was, was buried in snow after a point, and uh, the, the redback voles would build their tunnels against the plastic – uh, and so you could see them scurrying along these tunnels against the plastic uh, uh, in the evenings. And, of course, they'd get into the food, and that was a whole other thing. But it's interesting. The, the they connection... also eat flesh. We should explain. Oh, really? <laughs> flesh-eating yeah. Flesh-eating They're awful. I'm surprised we weren't eating them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was probably yeah. the bear stew, honestly. Oh, yeah. Well, it's voles, too. What we ate was a lot of moose because yeah. late in the fall, a couple moose uh, went a long way. Uh, and, and late in the fall, they could hang them up and, and well, uh, moose keep can frozen. be what twelve hundred. That's a lot of meat. pounds yeah. of meat. I mean, you know, incredible. Do you have any memory of like your parents came from Massachusetts? How they hunted a moose successfully? Well, I mean, it I, seems I, like I, it's a I thing have the to anecdotal do. stories because they didn't take me hunting when I was that little. But uh, you know, my, one of the stories that carried on through the uh, through the ages of the family was uh, my dad, and my uncle out there trying to hang a moose up in a tree like you'd hang a deer up, you know, to uh, clean it out. Yeah. And breaking a birch tree <laughs> over <laughs> trying to 
hoisted up with a come along. <laughs> but this is but, uh, this is an interesting thing because this is the into the wild fantasy. Mm. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and you know, and I think that there's many people that have that. That's the fantasy. That's the that's every reality show about Alaska. It's this. Yeah, we're gonna wander out into the woods. Yeah, we're gonna build some. We're gonna somehow cobble together building something, and we're gonna live there, and it's gonna be utopia, our version of cold utopia, right? Yeah, but yeah. It, it, it's interesting that your <clears throat> family, in some way, was uniquely qualified to be able to actually survive and and do it, even if they didn't know that when they got there. Well, I think it just has to do with um, kind of a, a pretty high level um, sense of self. I guess being responsible for yourself. And keep in mind that, that they're pretty young people at the time, but they're reading uh, a lot. I mean, they didn't have TV, didn't even have the radio most of the time. And, and so uh, the, the things that they were reading in, as youth at the time were, were pretty, uh, pretty thick. And of course, and, I'm, and I'm they not had a names offhand. They had a, and they had a group. They weren't wandering off by themselves. Well, they had right? they they had a family. They had a they had a few people to rely on. They had the ability to. Build structures and do yeah, things yeah. that required it, more than one person. It definitely wasn't a solo effort. In this case, it was my mom and dad, my aunt and uncle, and then the kids. And then through being young people that had just come to Alaska, uh, they met a lot of people along the way. And, you know, everyone would like to think everyone was out on their own way out there. But there were a lot of people going out to the bush at that time to participate in this open-to-entry land claim uh, process. And... There were some people that really had it together, and they were building real cabins, and they were better organized, and were a bit older than, uh, than my folks were. Uh, and you know, they checked in. It was remarkable, really. And thinking back on it, how often people would drop by to make sure they were still alive. <laughs> it's a little, to me, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more like Little House on the Prairie than it is about Into the Wild. Yeah, right. A bit, you know, yeah. it's a little bit more about there's a there's there's this loosely strung community. People know who's around. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's, you know, within, a, you know, two to five miles away, you know, it's, it's kind of your radius of, of people who you keep regular track of. So were you out there for multiple years or just? Or? I, we weren't. So my folks and my aunt and uncle uh, came to the uh, understanding that uh, living that closely with each other wasn't working out too well. That's a nice so way of putting it. After yes. the winter, we moved uh, into the big city there and, uh, and picked up a different path. Um, but my aunt and uncle and cousin stayed out there for a number of years further, got into dog mushing and, and all that. And that's a story for another segment. Yeah. I guess it is. Are we segmented? Here on Bridge from Nowhere. Just your radio. Bridge from Nowhere is back. Welcome. I'm sorry. We were talking about <laughs> finding all manner of things in the woods, including yourself in a weird way. Oh, wow. That was good. Yeah, that's you know, true. You, I mean, I remember just countless hours roaming around the woods, sometimes with friends, sometimes with a dog, sometimes just by myself. The woods in New England are, uh, you know, are... Free of any dangerous animal yeah, that can hurt you. Yeah, pretty much been cleared out. Yeah. You, no snakes or anything up there? No, nothing poisonous. Mm, bad. Garter That's snakes good. only. I mean, in fact, I would go looking for snakes. We, that was one of the big activities was to hunt for frogs and snakes and newts and salamanders and 
all kinds of creepy crawlies and go down to the swamp area. There was this area called the Power Lines, which was literally power lines that run from Boston all the way out through the suburbs. And there was this, this area there that was very swampy. So there was great frog ponds and all that kind of stuff in that area. We used to go out there and catch frogs all the time. Sometimes by myself, just going out catching just frogs. Just going frogging. A boy and his frogs. Yeah. Just a man going frogging. Just Usually brought a dog along, but a lot of times didn't have a dog with me. Did you have dogs all the time growing up? Pretty much. Yeah? Yeah. You so, had one of the smartest dogs in the world growing up. Your beagle. Tucker. Oh, he was stupid. <laughs> I was he being would, sarcastic. <laughs> he was kind of fat, as beagles are. And instead of doing the, the butt, butt, butt drag, he would uh, rotate in place to wipe his ass on the rug. <laughs> as we've and, all done. And we would call it... Uh, That's smart. That's what I meant. We would call it uh, cinnamon swirls. Oh, Tucker! <laughs> Stop making cinnamon swirls! He also had a, a terrible problem with his anal gland seepage smell. Oh. So we, we would leave him in the car and go to the store and come back, and he'd gas us with that, and we we called it Tucker Butt. Oh, Tucker Butt! <laughs> we, we were kinda, this is a house of men. We were kind of ignorant in well, the ways of Well, that's the thing, too. Like that's, that, that's the one thing I would say about when I hear about your upbringing when you were in Pennsylvania, right? It was after your, your folks split up. Mm-hmm. Your dad goes to Pennsylvania. And you're with your dad, mm-hmm. and so this is, and this, and your dad's a, your dad's a, a guy's guy, right? Welder, mm-hmm. right? Steel, you know, right? Iron worker, Steel, iron worker, yeah. And uh, and he's raising two young boys, and he's working nights, and the boys are feral, <laughs> <laughs> running around. He was working nights too. Is that right? Yeah. Working nights. Uh-huh. So he was. So you had to kind of. He wanted you out of the house during the day because he was sleeping. Probably. Yeah, we'd, we'd go to school, and then uh, really sometimes <laughs> school, right? That's what it's called. <laughs> but uh, we were we were kind of free range kids. Yeah, free range kids, but with the but with the influence of just a dad for that period of time, for the most part. Well, my we were... mom lived in Pennsylvania too, and we'd go to oh, okay. her place on the weekends. Okay, but but sort of during the week, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the stories I've heard. To me, the ones that are really the formative stories of your childhood are the ones when you're staying with your dad and you're just about Roman with Chris, right? Well, you know, it was like a, maybe a cartoon episode. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time uh, dad stupidly threw the uh, vacuum cleaner bag into the fire and that just stank the whole house up. <laughs> so don't ever throw a vacuum bag into the fire. Like you into just the thought it would burn up? I don't know. It was filled with dog hair and... Who knows what else? Like the idea that it's just too much effort to throw it away. <laughs> like, eh, toss. We were watching TV one time, and then the uh, we heard an explosion. And then Dad said, stay here. And he ran into the kitchen. He thought the gas oven blew, but it was the uh, pressure cooker. He must have put something in it that bubbles up like pasta or something. That thing just, it just blew up and put a hole in the ceiling, and there's food all over the damn place. <laughs> So we had a we we still ate it. We had to lick it off the walls that night. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Just go into the pasta lick. He's not a very good cook. I mean, he tried, but pasta was overcooked and on the walls. <laughs> Wait, now, Lou, you have the best behaved dog in the world, Nova. Black Lab. What's your secret? The beatings <laughs> daily. The, the nightly beatings. Uh, enough <laughs> exercise, I guess. Your dog also has a superpower, though. Boneless. 
Well, there's one. She has yeah. two superpowers. She's one, she has no bones. Made of nothing but Like a shark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very pliable. Yeah. Bendy. But she has that Limber. other superpower, too. She has a good power of uh, jumping and sticking the tongue in the mouth nice. of the human. It's a French dog. She's one of the longest tongues <laughs> I've seen in a <laughs> <laughs> really. So yeah. we've had people stay over, and uh, one person was woken up by <laughs> the dog inserting, inserting her tongue into her, into her mouth at 6 in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, no, she's gotten me. I'm six feet tall, and I've been standing there, and she'll jump and get you, yeah. lash with the head, and whoosh. the tongue comes out, and it's just like whoosh, right in the mouth, and then she's back down on the ground before you can do anything. <laughs> I mean, one, it's amazing. One you're one frame. Yeah. You're wondering if it even happened. Yeah, it's like getting bit by a snake. You know, whoosh, strike, and then she's just back, and there's nothing you can do. Yeah, she lies in wait sometimes under a pile of leaves like a snake. Clap off, boda bada, clap off. You had the clapper? I did have the clapper. I had the smart <laughs> clapper. Actually. So what's the difference? Wait a minute. Two claps was for the lights, and the three claps was for the stereo. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Sure. So I would walk into the room after class or, Put on you know, some NXS. Yeah. Or I'd wake up and just, the lights would come on, and then, and the stereo would come on. You were and make it was me foolproof? Sweat. No, no, not at all. I mean, you, well, you, you didn't have to clap for one thing, obviously, because you're just picking up the sounds. But no, my roommate used to like take a lot of weird naps on the couch and stuff like that. And the clapper used to drive him up the wall because he'd be laying there. We'd all be sitting around or like talking or something. And uh, someone would like laugh. You tell a joke. And, you know, sometimes when you laugh, you kind of just like clap a little sure. bit. And all the lights would turn off in the room. <laughs> I kind of want the clapper again, actually. I mean, they must seems still like be it would around. Make life easier. Yeah. With electric cars, it seems like it would be kind of an advent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drive car. Turn left. <laughs> turn, no, turn right. Turn left. Clap Keep seven times to break. Drive yes. around in Leafs just doing this. Yep. <laughs> Clapping seven times to With break. You have to, yeah. to go 40 miles an hour, you have to clap 40 yeah. times. <laughs> or just keep clapping, like to keep the accelerator going. Just clap to go faster. Stop clapping to slow down. <laughs> and then unclap to, to stop. Yep. The just, clap car. Just yes. an audio sensor enabled car. That seems like the future. It seems to me like yes. who, why it. hasn't this been invented already? Because we just thought of it. This it's is our, our million dollar it's idea. Our million dollar idea. That Boom. after we become a, a billionaires off of poo. And now let's talk about poo. We're back on Bridge from Nowhere, and this is Poo Corner. Poo Corner. With Ninjaneer Marissa Capito from the Juno Wastewater Treatment Plant. Thank Howdy. you for coming in again. Sure. We love talking to you about poop. I love talking about poop. We know that there's some of us in this group that are on a higher level of thinking about poop <laughs> yes. than others. I think Lou, the science of poop. Lou maybe is on that higher, higher level. What? <laughs> Jamie has math. You know, we all have our skills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about poo. Jamie, what? You, Lou asked a lot of questions in our first segment about poo that were really next level. We're going to get really, back into Yeah, those. I was going to go back to sort of like I don't know anything really about – I mean, I know about poop from years of experience. But like <laughs> as far as – so anything that goes down a toilet in Juno basically ends up at your facility. 
Is that right? More or less. More or less. So um, like everything. The, so what's the first thing Not you do? Not just the toilet, ju- the drains. The, the drains, sink drains. All too. the drains. Everything goes to there. Okay. Um, that's gray if, water. If you're on a septic and... tank, different story. Your mm-hmm. solids from your septic tank end up at the treatment plant. But hmm. um, if you're on the sewer system, everything that goes down a drain comes to us. Wow. So like every action figure and pen <laughs> and exactly. every weird thing that gets sent down through that system. How much of that do you guys like see? Quite a bit. Quite a bit. That um, The thing about wastewater treatment plants is no matter where you go, the technology might be different. But the the principles of treatment are the same. And the very first step in wastewater treatment is to get rid of the weird stuff that people flush down the toilet. And it is a lot of weird stuff like rubber ducks, golf balls, T-shirts, a whole carrot I saw, wow. someone's ID, diapers, was it? dental floss, the I lost action my ID figures. down the toilet. Is that, was it my ID? I, I don't know. I okay. didn't actually handle the, the ID. It's... But it's impressive. Yeah. It, plastic bags. Like, keep going. What are what are the weird? Yeah, keep going. There's there's been some syringes. Yeah, like used I would, I would needles bet. are pretty yeah. scary. That's that's a nasty one. Yeah, glass, broken glass. Um, like people's trash, like candy wrappers and stuff. You see that all the time. In a way, this um, is a good once, sign because it shows that the whole system is robust and can handle golf balls. Well. You shouldn't send us that stuff. <laughs> no. Causes us more problems. You're not than... helping anything, Lou. I'm yeah. also just we don't want your like, golf yeah. balls. You should not also you. be eating candy time, like, while you're on the toilet. <laughs> One like time, baby Ruth, except this, this may be a little. I'll, I'll try to explain this simply, but um, <clears throat> at some point in the wastewater treatment plant and the wastewater treatment process, you have to separate the solids from the liquids, and so there's a piece of equipment that deals a lot with the solids. <laughs> yeah, kind of like that. Um, and once on, there was like glitter for like five minutes. Wow. There was, and so if you think about it, if you think about the volume of water that comes down the drain, for me to be able to see like glit, like the, like all of the poop was glittery wow. for a solid five minutes. It like wow. comes on to this piece of equipment and then gets dumped off again. And for five minutes, like going through this, I saw glitter. And that I was, was like, after a drag show weekend. I was just going to say, gonna like, say was Elton remember? John in town? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You can almost track the history of the year by like the log on the, at the wastewater yeah, plant. Yeah, and I wondered. Yeah. I was like, how the log of logs? How how much glitter did somebody get rid of? Wow, in this or eat? <laughs> I hope not. How'd you know? I hope not too. Yeah, I know. Well, I remember that weekend. It's sparkly. It was a big glittery party. Yeah, yeah. I went for a minute. I thought it was weird, but people were just eating glitter for hours. <laughs> that was their thing. It's a little metallic. But I yeah. personally loathe glitter. Yeah, no, oh, I do too. So that was you. A thousand suns. Mm. I don't oh, like did, glitter. Did you jump it down the drain? Then was was that you disposing of it? Or? No, but I praise whoever did. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there still glitter like in one of the tanks? Because you can never fully get rid of glitter. So, like, is there still glitter Maybe. in the machine somewhere? Every once in a while, if the light comes in just right, does it? It's entirely sparkle? possible. Yeah. I haven't seen that much glitter since. I would not be surprised if there is still glitter. Got to still be a little around. bit in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can never get rid of it. Never. Glitter's the worst. You Curse said- you, Mariah Carey. <laughs> You said the system is open and you can see that. How do you protect yourselves from airborne pathogens? You build up a strong immunity. Oh. I mean, depending on the work, um, if the guys have to go down into a tank, they'll ventilate it before they go down in there um, to remove the really nasty stuff like any sulfides and stuff like that that could really do some harm. Um, But you actually, when you're around this stuff, 
day in day out, you build up a really strong immunity. So, to these are you guys things. like teachers? Do you guys get sick more than most people, or less? Usually, when somebody starts the job, they get sick quite a bit. But mm-hmm. after a year or so, there, you, just, you don't. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, you just don't really get sick anymore because you're exposed to everything pretty much. Mm. So you don't have to get a flu shot then. Because you get one every day. Just go down, r- rub a little on yourself, and you're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Suffer a little bit from brown lung, but <laughs> you're doing fine. Oh. Marissa Capito, <laughs> this is Pooh Corner. <laughs> <laughs> that's a brown lung cough. <laughs> we can recognize it. It's tragic. All right. That's uh, that's Pooh Corner with Marissa Capito. Thanks for Thank you. coming Anytime. in, you guys. All yeah. right. got a favorite dad story from uh, your youth? I remember one time thinking, wow, my dad turns out to be kind of a badass. You know, he's he's got a, you know, he can have a little bit of a authoritative, you know, can really turn it on. He's always very, very kind, you know, to me. And so, you know, I didn't see that much. Although, you know, just like a normal, any normal person, he had a, he could get angry. But uh, I remember one time we were walking kind of down this road called Mountain Road. It was a dirt road kind of in Lexington. And there were some uh, – we just kind of turned the corner. And right as we turned the corner, there were these two teenagers. This is when I was like, I don't know, 10 or 9. And there was these two teenagers on the street, right, kind of not far from us. And they were they threw a rock up into the streetlight and shattered the streetlight. Like they were like <laughs> just kind of kidding around. And uh, it shattered the streetlight. My dad just like went, hey, you know, just yelled at him like, hey, you know, like, hey, you kids, essentially. And the kids turned around and like weirdly said, like, like, what are you looking at? That's what one of the kids said. What are you looking at? And my dad goes, a couple of punks. And he starts running at them, you know, and they (laughs) scattered. (laughs) Nice. So that's what he was saying. Until they ticked him off. I was (laughs) running. I couldn't hear. (laughs) Once old... Once old Mr. Klein came at you. Oh, uh, yeah. Bob Klein. Old Bob Klein, that's Coming right. I thought you. it was Bob Klein, but I always doubt it because of the comedian Robert Klein. Robert I Klein. I always like doubt his yeah. name, yeah. Same name, yeah. There's now a comedian, Andy Klein. Oh, yeah, that's right. There's some comedian <laughs> named Andy Klein. Is he good? I don't know. He's a working comedian and website. has been for many years, and he stole my, you know, I, I was so early on the web that I had andyklein.com mm-hmm. for a long time, and then I let it lapse oh, for one day, and he no. took it. Oh, he was sitting on it. He was yeah, waiting. he was waiting. Yep. He was waiting. Now I am Andy Klein. (laughs) Now I am the Klein. Now he's the number one ranked Google search for Andy Klein. It really gets me.
Uh, you got a good dad story there, Lou? What's a dad? <laughs> uh, let's uh, have Jamie tell one, and then I'll think. Okay. Wow. Well, I mean, I, a really general kid experience story for me that took me a while to realize wasn't that normal was my dad was a jazz piano player. So he played a lot in Minneapolis and St. Paul in bars and clubs. And my mom, bless her heart, I think this is awesome, actually. My mom used to take me when I was like seven years old on a Tuesday night. We'd go to O'Gara's Pub. We drove by it. Yeah, we, we drove by it in St. We Paul. There, yeah. Yeah. And, or St. Paul, yeah. Yeah, he played there every Tuesday with a big band. And I have all these memories of being like a kid in a bar, like an eight-year-old kid in a bar on a Tuesday night till like midnight, you know, with my dad with my dad playing and meeting all these, you know, kooky jazz musician guys like, hey, little man, how you doing? You know, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> and like getting in all these horn players and all this stuff. And just, yeah, they had like Papa Shot and all these little games. I'd run around in the bar and play bar games with old drunks and watch my dad <laughs> play music. And it was an interesting, like formative thing for a kid. And then we go to these, you know, these other places, like the Dakota Club and the, the, the Minneapolis Caves and all this stuff. And but just going out a lot as a kid, you know, to see my dad That's play, a different it's kind of existence, different yeah. kind of existence. Yeah, and it took me a while to realize that, like, uh, you didn't really do that. You, know, you don't see kids in bars at eleven on a Tuesday, you know. And how much all of the people he played with were all these great guys, and all just like really liked me. Do you? Does you? you know? Do you feel like? Does it make you feel like when you walk into a bar? Does it feel kind of like? Comforting in a way. It's it's, it's certainly a, a comfortable environment for me, kind of in any way. Um, and I think it was it was a good way to meet a bunch of different sort of people as a kid in suburban Minnesota that you wouldn't have met. Like, not to put too fine a point on it, but you, I met a lot more black people than most of the kids I knew. Yeah, you sure. Know? Diverse like, the jazz musicians. Yeah, jazz musicians. Right. And, you know, and you know a lot of those guys, and just they would come over to the house and play in the basement and just. That experience of going to him, like, hey, little cat, how you doing? And like, letting guy would let me bang on the drums or something and tell these stories. And yeah, so that was cool. And yeah, bars as much are, as we talk yeah. about being an integrated society, I really think like it's only in the last 10 years or so that it seems like it's truly getting integrated in a lot of places. And in a lot of places, it's still just it's still isn't. not. Like, especially once you're like not in a city, like in a suburb yeah. or something like that, which is where I grew up. You know, I mean, you don't right. really have a lot of diversity right. probably st- i mean i haven't been really back there for a while to see but i bet probably still not you know so yeah so it was it was good i mean they, i'm always very comfortable in a bar you know always 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 and that's probably part of it you know and just getting to meet all these cool people it was really fun and getting to like pick up the saxophone and like dink around with it when i was eight years and then the guy would hold it you know and, like when they were on break and stuff like that it was great actually it was a really cool formative thing for me but you growing up lou like your your dad's a guy who's like so he's just a guy who can kind of do anything with his hands in a way, right? Like he's like a welder and he's, you know, you know that kind of stuff, right? I mean, Yeah, I, I remember we lived in Pennsylvania for a while, for a while, for a while. And uh, my parents divorced when I was probably about 10 or something. And somehow he worked nights and was able to uh, raise me and my brother during the weekdays. We went to mom's on the weekends. And uh, he was also building a house at the same time. I don't know how he did it, building this place. He was building a house at the same time? Yeah. Uh, Nearby? Two or... hellion kids. <laughs> and uh, Didn't he buy a house for a his parents or something? Yeah. He worked up in Valdez in the 70s during the pipeline. And he, I think he was there for just about a whole year. 
with no break. And he said all these other guys blew their money on cocaine and uh, women. and Hookers and blow. Yeah, H&B. Yeah, H&B, man. <laughs> and some of them left poorer than they were when they got there. He saved his money, went back to Pennsylvania and bought his parents a house. He surprised them with it. That's awesome. That's, that's really cool. Awesome. And that's the house he's living in right now. So now that's his house now. Mm-hmm. But he built a- another house. Just above that one. Oh, nearby. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. And and, and were you guys living nearby that as well when, you, no, when he was we building it? probably about 20-minute drive away. Oh, okay. So you guys ended up moving mm-hmm. to go to this house that he had built. We never lived in it. It was a spec home. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. It was on the market for two weeks and he sold it. Oh, so he was building a house in order to sell it for, as an investment. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Wow. But I, I have what no a project. idea how he did that. Yeah, wow, it's yeah. incredible. So I think, if I had a kid, what, I have no time to do a damn thing. <laughs> but you've inherited... I not be selfish and lazy anymore. Yeah, but you've inherited <laughs> this part of him, I think, because like you built your own garage, mm-hmm. something that Jamie and I would never undertake on no, our own. Not ever. <laughs> You know, I mean, I would, but it would just be like four walls <laughs> and a tarp over the top. Look at my garage, everyone. Welcome, Jamie. That's a spice rack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a garage. You put things in it. Yeah, look, I can put things in my garage. Yeah, my car goes in there if you lift up the tarp and put this big stick up. No, I mean, you built a beautiful, actual, legitimate, genuine garage. It's taken me forever though, because. Sometimes I just don't feel like working on it, and I'll just, ah. Yeah. Hell with it, right? But I did work on it today. I realized that the guy that installed the garage put one of the brackets in A. The garage door, you mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Upside down. Yeah, the garage door. And B, in the wrong location, so I was working on that today. Well, good. Is Is the insulation done? It is. Well, not the ceiling. I need to. Oh. I need your help in that. Okay. I. That's what I do. I like to help. Come on, Andy. We're going like to blow in some fiberglass. It's going to be itchy. It's going to go in your lungs. Yeah. It's going to be hot in there. Inhale. We had a good time. We I helped frame the roof up. You did, yeah. Put the trusses. I needed a tall, yeah. tall man. <laughs> yeah. Reach up 18 feet. Yep. <laughs> you and your friend Andrew, who's a carpenter and an excellent mm-hmm. contractor and carpenter, does beautiful work. And so he kind of, he's the foreman on the, he was the foreman in that part of the job. Yeah, just telling yeah. us apes what to do. Yeah. <laughs> Move, champ. Right. It's cool to see a guy like that figure out the, the to me, that's so perplexing about when you really get into carpentry is about the math, mm-hmm. you know, and angles and all that stuff. And it was cool to see someone like that just kind of like know that like the angle that you needed to cut something and all that stuff was, that was fascinating. And one of those days we learned the power of oxygen when it comes to fire, because oh. we hooked up the air compressor to a tube and uh, had a little fire going, and then we put that tube underneath the fire and just let it rip. It was cool. It was like being a blacksmithy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the, the smithy? The, yeah. I think cool. we were up until, this is during the summer, so maybe 10.30 during a weekday <laughs> with this air compressor going, and us yelling, ah, look at it. And we're pouring all kinds of stuff in the yard fire. We put we melted glass in it. Nice. Yeah, aluminum, we were melting down aluminum, aluminum glass. cans. I have nice. a little chunk of aluminum from that. From still. Melting down. Nice. Keeping the neighbors up. One of the neighbors leaves around six in the morning to go 
<laughs> work at the hospital. And <laughs> Brilliant. Here we are. <laughs> it was a bad day at the hospital. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of deaths that day. Sorry, patients. Sorry, I removed the wrong foot. <laughs> Got no sleep <laughs> last sleepy. night. sleepy. My goddamn neighbor <laughs> kept me up all night. Now, where I live is an interesting neighborhood because, uh, A, it's by a glacier and it's really cold and there's a, a mountain behind it between where I live and here in downtown Juneau. So we get no light. And uh, another interesting thing about it is the all the yard fridges that are there <laughs> and the abandoned vehicles and the, the, the homemade mailbox holders and... Five gallon buckets, five, yeah. five gallon buckets. Yep, and uh, yard boats. But yeah, it's a it's the classic Alaska neighborhood mixture where you have professionals and yeah. then you have the people. neighbors have a nice house, and then down the road there's a guy who's had uh, no siding on his house for ten years, and it's just the Tyvek Tyvek Palace. Hey, if it works, yeah, ten years. That's that would be. I mean, if Alaska. I ever built a house, I'd be lucky to get that far. <laughs> yeah. Honest to God, right? Yeah. But Alaska's like that because. You can be in a neighborhood, and it might there might be one house that looks really nice. People keep meticulous care of it, and then there's a a junkyard. The zoning is a little loose. Yeah. Well, and the like the people like you get the professionals and like artists and all these people who come up here, and then you get the end of the roaders mm-hmm. who yeah. just end up here. Right. You know who just kept moving on and moving on. And, and don't throw away yeah. a goddamn thing. Yep. <laughs> and it's hard to move on from. I here. might need that arm to that baby doll someday. <laughs> Old baby doll arm. Oh. Put that in the baby doll arm pile. It's <laughs> an entire pile. Well, at least they're organized. A heap, yes. <laughs> That's the right one. Put that in the left <laughs> arm pile. Oh, it's all part of living up here. It is. We'll be back with more Bridge from Nowhere. You want to start or should I start? I'll start. Well, go ahead. Thanks to our guests today, Sarah Lewis and Sean Boyley, Marissa Capito. Our house band that plays all original music. George Kuhar. Excuse me. George George Kuhar and Steve Nelson are Kuhsun. Thanks to KTOO, the Alaska Podcast Network, and Alaska Robotics. And thanks to Pug Shirts. All over the world. Whoever made that bug shirt is a genius. For more info on Bridge from Nowhere and for all our shows, you can go to our website at bridgefromnowhere.com. That's it from us today. The bridge is out. That's all. That's it. That's all we're. (laughs) Good one. That was pretty realistic. Weenie-nee-nee-nee-nee-nee-nee-nee. Weenie-nee-nee-nee-nee-nee-nee-nee. Weenie-nee-nee-nee-nee-nee-nee-nee.